0: been going through this series called Church, and I I have to tell you, uh, thank you to to so many of you over the last several months just in different everything from text messages to calls or just seeing me in the hallway. I know I I keep hearing several, many people say it's pushing me, and it's been pushing me too uh, to look at what things that we think the church should do and sometimes things we just do that really isn't good or bad it's just things we do versus things they did and and what what is it i think it's so important to clarify what what is it that a church is called to do and what are we uh, what are we not called to do and and the church is a, a unique thing. I, I would say uh, to you right out of the gate, to, we we have to remember that the church is a body. It's not a business, right? It, it, it's a it's a, a living, breathing body. It's not a business. It's a a living organism, not an organization. And and so you it's now you, you can't apply business metrics to a living, breathing body, right? I, I've talked about that many times in this church series that that. Um, a lot of the things that, that we as humans, we, we put earmarks on a church, and for those of you in the corporate marketplace, KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, You know, we we can apply some of that in our own humanity to churches, and they're not always the best measurements, but you can measure a church, and I think you should, uh, according to what the scriptures do, because even doctors take body measurements, right? I mean, you know, at almost 50 years old, I'm becoming painfully familiar with doctors and body measurements and, you know, the oncoming onslaught of my failing human self, and uh, it's no fun. Uh, It's funny, all of us that are right about my age now, we're we're all kind of joking because we're easing into these conversations about our parents and, and, and all the things they're dealing with. And then our own selves. And, and I find myself talking about, quote, my ailments more than I, I really am comfortable with at 49, and it bothers me. Um, but we do measure uh, our, our own bodies. Doctors do that. So I think you can measure a body. And I'm going to talk to you uh, today about one measurement. If you notice, one of the things we're doing is we're looking at the scriptures. We're looking at the scriptures and we're taking behaviors out of those. We're, we're lifting behaviors out of what the early church did. And, and there's really no better place to do that than the book of Acts. I I, I would want you to go to Acts chapter 4 this morning if you've got a Bible Boy, I hope you do. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to look at some behaviors uh, that, that, that the, the church practiced. And I've read the book of Acts many, many times, and I, I read it often, uh, and I, I ne- it never gets old. Uh, you see the Acts of the Apostles and, and what was going on there. And, you know, I would, I, we're going to talk specifically this morning about one of the measurements that I do think you can apply to a church, and that is, do they pray? And, and I don't mean pray like we do on Sundays. I'm talking about praying supernaturally. I think that's a barometer of the church. There's, there's many ways that our church prays. One of those ways, if, you, if you've gotten to see, and I want to see more of us do more of this, is when we have our freedom celebrations. If you were here for that in the month of February or early March, we, we gathered in this room, uh, a hundred or more of us, and we began to share freedom stories about what God had done in our lives. And for about two hours, we prayed over one another. It was quite organic and quite spontaneous. And, and, and those are the moments that I really believe our church moves forward. I believe those are the times that we're not talking about a prayer list here. We're talking about corporate prayer gatherings where we ask God to do something. And and if you want to look at the barometer of a church, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, you can look at whether or not a church turns out for those kind of things. And if they turn out for those kind of things, it is a barometer of where they are. And so today I'm going to talk to you about how to pray for my church. You want to, you want to pray for, for us? You want to pray for yourself? You want to pray for this congregation that matters to you? Well, today we're going to talk about that. So here's, here's the context real quick. Um, Peter is preaching a sermon and, and he's, he's preached a sermon and, and then he's, they've healed a man. There's a man that got a healing and, um, Humanity hasn't changed a whole lot. There's some people that get mad at those kind of things. Uh, you know, it, can, can, can you imagine somebody getting mad because somebody was healed? Well, I can. Because you see, every time God does something supernatural among a group of people, now they're forced to look in the mirror. Every time God does something supernatural, it, it, it shines a light on some things. And, and this guy had been, he had been, he had been healed in, in the name of Jesus, and so all of the religious coaches, all of the religious elite called in Peter and John, and they said, we want to know what happened. Well, there he is, fellas. I don't know what to say to you, You know, it's a great way to testify. I love what the blind man said. Well, all I know is I, I, a few minutes ago, I didn't know the color purple. Now I see you're wearing it, you know. I could see, and and I couldn't see, now I can. And this guy's been healed, and they they call him in because they're mad about it. And so they put him in prison. They put him in jail. And and so then after they get put in jail, Peter and and John are released. Um, In fact, we'll just pick it up. Why don't we just pick it up right there? Verse 13. Peter and John get arrested. And it says, verse 13, Acts chapter 4, And now as they observed... The confidence that Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, even better, even better, they weren't seminary people. They were amazed and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And when they saw the man that had been healed standing with him, they had nothing to say in reply. It makes me, every time I read that, I always think about what our, our friend and partner in ministry, Nancy Alcorn, says: you can't argue with a changed life. <laughs> but when they, had, when they had ordered them to leave the council, they began to confer with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men for the, fact that, for, for the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But so that it will not spread any further, let's warn them to speak no longer to any man in this name, that is Jesus' name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them, not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus, and Peter and John answered and said, "Well, whatever is right in the sight of God to give heed to you other than to God, you be the judge for we cannot we cannot stop speaking about what they have what we've seen and heard, and when they had threatened them further, they let them go on account because they had they had been glorifying God. So now they, they've let them, in verse 22, for the man who was more than 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. But when they had been released, so they've let them out of jail, it says in verse 23. And so when they had been released, they went to their own companions. Now they're talking about Peter and John. So what did Peter and John do? They went to the church. They went back to the church and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they've left the jail, they've come back and here's where we pick up the prayer. This is what the people prayed. This is not what Peter and John prayed. This is what the people prayed. You ready? Here we go. Verse 24. And when they heard this, that's all of us. When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. And they said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, why did the Gentiles rage and why did the people devise futile things? the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the lord and against his christ for truly in this city there were gathered together against there were gathered together against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed both herod and pontius pilate along with the gentiles and the people of israel to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur and now lord take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with confidence and while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. You know, there's a lot there in the book of Acts. I could probably spend a couple of years going through the book of Acts. Acts. But what, when it comes to praying for my church, what, what can we look at their behaviors, their lifestyle, their value system? What can we look at and learn from about how to pray for our church? And this is important. You, not, not because I'm some fantastic preacher, but you should take notes today, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you may use them. Because there's coming a day when I believe... Based on what the scriptures tell me, there's coming a day that if, if we as a congregation stand firm on the name of Jesus, it's going to cost us. It, that, that's, that's, I don't know why Christians freak out about that, they, like Jesus was just you know, making it up as he went. He said, they're going to hate, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They're going to deliver you up to prisons, they're going to deliver you up to councils, they're going to start taking aim at those who preach the name of Jesus. I believe the church is going to need to know how to pray when that happens, in fact, I, sometime next year, I'm, I'm, I'm kicking around the idea of going through a sermon called Prepping. I mean, a seri- series called Prepping. Of getting us prepared for what does it mean to live in amongst a time where culture has turned on the church. That's coming, friends. Jesus told us it was coming. You need, you need to know that. So how do we pray for our church? Well, here we go. Number one, what, 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 what did they do? Number one, God wants me to remember his power when I pray. That's a big deal. Now, you've heard me mention that before. It's nothing new. But I want you to notice the first thing they did. They did exactly what Old Testament Hebrews did. They learned it from their granddaddies and their grandmothers. Look at the first thing they said in verse 24. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices with one accord. And they said, "Oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. They began to remind themselves of who God was. You see, let me tell you, you want a a prayer principle? I don't care what you're praying for. You want a principle on prayer? When you start out praying every day or any time you pray, it's never a bad idea to remember who you're talking to. Remember who you're talking to. What's going on with your kids? What's happening with your teenage daughter? What's happening in your job? Somebody, you just lost a major account and you're like, how am I going to tell? the CEO that this account has moved on, remember who signs the paycheck. God does. Remember, remember who owns the revenue stream. Remember who owns the, the keys to your teenage daughter's life. Remember who owns the key. You got get a bad report on your health? Remember whose you are, friend. Remember whose you are. And that's what they did. They didn't, listen, they, do, you think, do you think they needed to tell God who he was? Like he had just a senior moment, you know, oops. And, you know, however many gazillions. I mean, God, is, God has no age. So hey, he, there's never a time that God wasn't. Think like he just, oh, yeah, I, I kind of forgot that I made the heavens and the earth one day. It's been a while. No, they weren't doing that for God's benefit. They were doing it for theirs. They were doing it for theirs. Don't ever forget who you're talking to when you pray. It's the, he's the God that changes things. He's the God that can move the immovable. He's the God that can deliver when nobody can deliver. When all human power has stopped, that's where he starts. So remember who you're praying to. So when God wants you to pray, when he calls you to pray, especially about your church, Pray that you remember his power. But let's look. Here's, let's get into the prayer a little more. I would say to you, number two, God wants me to pray for submission. You hear me bring this up all the time. I'm going to keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep bringing it up. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to keep bringing it up. If you want God to meet you in your prayer life, there's something, listen to me, Christian friend, there's something you have to bring closure to if you want God to hear you, and if you want God to answer you, especially based on the book of James, read how James tells us to pray. I've taught on this many times at Clearview. You have to submit your will to God, meaning regardless of the outcome, I'm saying yes, God. If you want God to answer your prayers, you submit your will to God. Jesus did that in the model prayer. What did Jesus say? Your kingdom come. That's a prayer of alignment. That's a prayer of alignment. Every day when you go to your heavenly father in your devotion time, when you go to your heavenly father, you are never wrong. In fact, I would say you're always, always, always right to start out that prayer time by saying, God, I will align and adjust my life to yours. So you can learn a lot listening to people pray. You can learn a whole lot about what they believe about God listening to them pray. And if you listen to the prayers of most Christians, you know what they are? They're bless me prayers. They're prayers that say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do that, and I I got this issue over here, and I need God to take care of that, and God bless me. Listen, you won't find praying like that in the Bible. We've learned how to pray like that. That's not biblical praying. It isn't. There's never a time where you're telling God what to do. When you pray, you align yourself to God. And you say, God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. Because I don't know about you, but there's many times in the scriptures where God calls people to do some things that completely contradict human wisdom and common sense. Right? How many times in the scriptures have we seen God say, I want you to do this? Over and over again, he's a God that defies human wisdom. So you have to align yourself to it, friends. And that's what they did. Look what, if you, you want to see an indicator of this? Look at what they said. Look at what they said in, let me see. Here we go, verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants... We are your servants. We serve you, you don't serve us. We align with you, you don't align with us. We are your bondservants. Jesus said your kingdom come, your will be done. Align your will. You wanna pray for your church? Listen to me. You wanna pray for your church? Pray for yourself, that you will align your will to his will. I'm telling you, friends, listen. I don't see it in the New Testament. Anywhere in the New Testament that the congregation was a democracy. I don't see it. It's a theocracy. It's a theocracy. It's a, it's a place where we align our will to God's will. That's what we do. You, 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 don't, you don't see anywhere where Peter and John said, Let's all take a vote. You don't see it. That may go against your Baptist heritage. I, I don't know. Take it up with Acts or something. I, I'm not not being a jerk. I'm just just telling you, the reality is it's a theocracy. Everybody, me included, we align ourselves to him and what he wants. And if he tells us to do something, we do it. That's how it works. So we have to be committed to that. Even in our corporate prayer times, we align ourselves to submission. And then there's another thing that we can learn. Boy, this is really good here in verse 29. Look at what he says. Now, Lord, take note of their threats and... Grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. They ask, grant us, grant us that we will speak your word with confidence. You want to pray for your church? You want to pray for your church? I would say pray for courage to take action. Pray for courage to take action, okay? That's what they did. Pray for courage. Yeah, there he is. God wants me to pray for courage to take action. Now, look at, look at what happened right here. Grant us that we would speak your word with all confidence what I love about these people is not just them it's, you see it in Peter and John's life too I mean there's as we say in the south there was no backup in them right there there was no backup in these guys they they weren't ugly about it they weren't mean about it they, they you know God's never given you you know any of us a license to be a theological jerk and and that's that's not what we're allowed to be but but they didn't they didn't back up from the city ordinance they didn't back up from the city ordinance. They said, no, you know, you guys need to decide what's right on your end by the law. But, but where we are right now, we're just going to keep doing this. We're just going to keep speaking the name of Jesus. And let me tell you why this matters. Now, let's go to that prayer. Let's go forward one to that, to that prayer there. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. Hey, God, are you, are you, are you seeing what they're saying about you? And grant us that we might speak your word with confidence. Let me tell you something. The last thing you do when you're trying to preserve an institution is pray that prayer. If you're trying to keep the status quo, if you're trying to keep everything calm, these people were not trying to build a campus and they weren't trying to build a church a campus church Building and they certainly weren't trying to preserve things. We want it like it's always been all of our lives. You don't pray for more power under persecution. You don't, if, if they were literally asking, more of it, God, more of it, more of it, God, bring more of it, more of it. Bring, bring us more, the very thing that got them in jail, bring us more of it. Grant us to keep speaking. Grant us to not, to not lose stamina. Grant that we won't lose heart. In fact, I would even say if you could boil this prayer down into a single sentence, I would say it this way, more power to perform under persecution. That's, that's the prayer. God, give us more power to perform under persecution. We're going to perform under persecution. When, when it gets hot, when, when it gets more and, and, and more difficult, when they're taking our jobs away, When they're threatening our church with more and more laws and more and more ordinances, God, don't give us stamina not to quit. Give us stamina not to quit. They were, to use a business term, they were market disruptors. That's what I love about the New Testament church. Guys, think think about this. And and I'm I'm not speaking in code about Clearview. I'm talking about the American church right now. You realize that The moms and the dads and the school teachers and the football coaches, if they had it, they probably did have football over there, I would say, because that's a good sport. The bankers, the widows, the divorced people, those that had preschool children, all of them. They were just normal people, but governments feared them. Think about the gravity of that. Governments feared them. They disrupted everything they touched. Now look at the American church. We are a punchline on late night television now. Nobody fears us. What happened? Well, that's a whole different series, maybe. What happened? I wonder sometimes if it's not so much that culture left us, but maybe we gave it away. Maybe we gave it away by just circling the wagons and trying to keep the good people in and the bad people out. I wonder sometimes if we gave it away. There was a time in the Christian church's history. There was a time in the American church's history where we actually believed that society was our responsibility. Schools, hospitals, orphanages, businesses, there was a time where the American Christian believed that it was our responsibility to further the name of Jesus in every institution that this city touched. You want to you see something fascinating? Go back and read many of the original charters of places like Harvard and Yale and major American institutions. Go back and read their original charters. It will blow your mind. How far they've come, and how far they were started. It's fascinating. They prayed; these people prayed for more power to perform under persecution. Why? Because James four four tells us that to be a friend with the world is to be an enemy of God. To be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. I don't want to be anybody's enemy, but if I'm going to choose, I'm going to be God's friend. If you're going to make me choose. And I'm telling you, if you want to pray for your church, you want to pray for your church, here's how you pray for me. Don't you just pray for me. Shane, Graham, Alexis, Zach, Kim, John, John, keep on going, Tracy, Jenny, all of them. Pray for Jamie and Emma. You pray for us to have more power, more stamina, but you pray for you too. Because you notice the place that Peter and John did, they ran back to the crowd They went back to their their people. There's coming a day, friends, when this right here is going to matter more than ever because we're going to band together. It's easier to stand when you can band together. And and so I would say we've got to pray for the supernatural to happen in our lives and take courage and preach the name of Jesus with boldness. And that last one leads me to this truth. You want to pray for your church? Here you go. You ready? Don't just pray for courage to take action, but God, God wants me to invite the supernatural. Now I want you to look at what they did. What are we doing? We're, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm lifting, I'm taking what they prayed for and I'm putting in practical terms, right? Well, so now look at what they did after verse 29. Let us speak your name with more boldness. And here we go, verse 30. While you extend your hand to what? Heal to give signs and wonders to take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They they prayed for the supernatural to happen. They believed in the supernatural. They prayed for it. They asked for it. And God delivered it. It says that actually the place where they were praying was was shaken, literally. Praying for the supernatural. And I'm gonna tell you, you, you're gonna... You start praying for that, you're gonna find out real quick who the religious people are. I mean, really. Because people that are caught up in religion, they just wanna preserve an institution. They were not institutional people, they were movement people. They were movement people. They were kingdom people. You do realize that it didn't end well for these folks. All the apostles, it didn't end well for them. Peter was crucified. On a cross, and he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way Jesus was, so hang me upside down. John was put on a, an island to starve. That was only after they tortured him and didn't, didn't, didn't kill him. I mean, on and on it goes. They took Paul, and they took him to Rome, and they, they cut his head off. It didn't end well for these people. They were willing to give their very lives for it. They prayed for the supernatural to happen. And we can pray for the same thing too. It made me think when when I was putting this together, for some reason my thoughts went to Jesus in a particular story where he went back to his hometown if you have a Bible, I, I don't often ask you to do this, but I want you to flip backward a couple of books to the Gospel of Mark. He goes Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's between Matthew and Luke. The Gospel of Mark. It's, it's, it's right in chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> so, here's what's going down Jesus has, he's approaching his hometown. And there's a dialogue that happens between him and the apostles. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus went out from there, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? And with what wisdom was given him and such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter? The son of Mary? Isn't this Mary's boy? The brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except... In his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And here is the verse. And he could, not do, he could not do miracles there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he wondered at their unbelief. That word means marveled. Now, there's something interesting that happens in this passage that I think it's easy to kind of get off track a little bit. I think a lot of times we can look at this very famous story in the life of Christ and and we can say that you could almost imply from it that my level of faith determines the level of activity that Jesus can have in my life, and that's not true. It's not true because Jesus' power is not relative to my ability to believe in it. You follow? Jesus' power isn't relative to my ability to believe in it. Jesus isn't impotent. He's not right here going, well, you know, I could probably do more if they let me. I sure wish y'all would let me. Let me tell you what, Jesus, if you start reading the, the Bible for what it is, often you see things. And one of the things I see in Jesus is he was not insecure. Most insecure leaders would have been like, let me prove. Oh, let me prove what I can do. Let me prove it. I'm going to do more miracles. That's what I would have done. Let me turn some more water into wine. Let me walk on water in front of all of y'all. Let me me bring all your sick people. Let me just heal them because I need to prove to y'all that I am the Messiah. And he didn't do it. He didn't do it. He didn't do it because he didn't have to do it. He did not need them to validate who he was. They chose not to validate who he was. Because right there, don't y'all see, it doesn't this blow your mind. Like the very son of God was standing among them and all they saw was Mary's boy. See, I don't think, listen to me, Christian. I don't think that the Christian church doesn't know Jesus. I wonder sometimes if we're just too familiar with him. We're just too comfortable with him. And we've painted this picture in our American mind of the suffering servant who's just there to heal my wounds and my bad days. But the Bible calls him the Lamb of God. It also calls him the Lion of Judah. And one of the things I think that happens right here in this passage is we see that that Jesus didn't have to prove himself. He he didn't need to, it said he, he moved on. I wonder. I wonder how many congregations in the last 2,000 years where Jesus has just moved on. He's just moved on. It's not because he can't. It's because in their religious ways, they just want to keep showing up, come to church, do the deal, sing the same songs they've always been singing. Pray the same prayers with the same people they've always been praying and wondering when God is going to change the world when He sent us to change it. I wonder sometimes if if Jesus just moves on. Because this is what I know about God I know that God is sovereign. And it is my conviction that in His sovereignty, The reason that he doesn't do many miracles there is because he already knows you don't want it. I think it happens to all kinds of congregations. He knows in his sovereignty they don't want it. And he marveled at those people that only saw him through limited lenses. If you wanna pray for your church, invite the supernatural. I pray for it all the time, right here at Clearview. You need to know, I pray for it all the time. I've been praying for it for five years, all the time. I pray a prayer that I believe the Lord gave me a phrase years ago, I pray it all the time, God, confound the skeptics. Confound the skeptics. If you want to know how your pastor's praying for this place, I'm praying that you become unhinged in Jesus' name. I'm praying all the time that God literally delivers people from cancer in my church, and nobody knows why. I pray all the time that God would cause people with cataracts to see 2020. I pray all the time that God would cause people with deep, deep addictions to gossip to heal them. And people at work go, what's different about you? I pray all the time that God would take people that are looking to their money to buy their way into happiness and find peace, that God would confound the skeptic and change the heart of the idolater. I pray all the time that, that, that God would open the heavens so much above this place that the skeptics say, because this is what, and I'm not knocking people that are in, you know, listen, man, I, I mean, God's been really good to me, putting me in, in the, the church world. But I want to tell you how church growth people think. And it's not bad, but it can become bad. Oh, they're, they're good people. Don't, don't hear me say what I'm not saying. Don't, don't read into something that I'm not saying. But I can tell you this. There, there are people that live and breathe to try to figure out the magic formula to what made a church grow. They got the right location, the right staff, the right pastor, the, the right meeting. They, they, they all the things lined up. They made all the right corporate decisions, and that's why I'm telling you, I want God to do something so out of ordinary that no person could explain it. I mean, they can't explain it. They could look at me and go well, he's just a guy from Tullahoma. Yeah, shocker. You know, we got a guy from Oklahoma and a guy from Miami leading worship. That, that does not line up in church growth books. I'm not joking. Nobody's going to put that recipe together. But God can. God can make an axe head float. God can make a donkey talk. Think I'm making this stuff up? Go read it. God can cause an ocean to split. God can take people who used to kill Christians and make them prophets. God can do anything through somebody that believes in the supernatural. If you want to pray for your church, you pray for your own belief. Want to pray for your church? Pray for your own belief. Invite the supernatural. I mean it. I pray for it all the time. It made me think today, I thought about it this morning once again. Many of you know the story. I won't tell you all the details just for the sake of time. But there are turning points in every Christian's life. There are certainly turning points in my life. Times where... Or God just showed you something or he installed something into your being that, that was kind of a, a driving factor of your DNA. And as I was thinking through what the people in Acts prayed for this morning, I went, went right back to a table. My 27-year-old self. sitting across from a man who was in his late 70s and his wife. And I was asking him about the supernatural because he had seen so much of it in his church his whole life. And in that one moment, what he injected into me, a young man that he didn't know, a young preacher boy, L.H. Hardwick looked me in the eye, who was the founder of Christ Church here in Nashville, and he said, Never forget, Jason. You get as much of God as you want. And I've never forgotten that moment. It haunts me sometimes. You get as much of God as you want. I think that's true for churches, too. You want more of God here. Pray for your own belief. Invite the supernatural. Pray that we take action when action is needed. Pray that we align our wills and submit to God because we never forget his power. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world. of sending them the word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.